just to give you my perspective, uh, you know, sometimes when I share and I, I just start getting excited about that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, you know, it, it'll sometimes come out loud and it's not because I'm, I'm mad or yelling or, or whatever, but, but I do feel like the natural tendency of man is to fall asleep. Amen. Physically, that, that's what the Bible calls it when, when people will pass away, right? So I do feel like, uh, you know, there's a need for us to wake up. There's a need to actively engage our spirit. Um, and again, I know that the, 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 you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So I'm just going to challenge you over this next, you know, 20 minutes, even half hour, that there's going to be a miracle that I share this in that amount of time. That, um, yeah, you just, just grab a hold and say, Lord, like, you know, what do you have for me in this? Um, you know, and, and so that. We can leave change. So to give you an idea of why I might get loud and excited, just the brief two-minute version, you know, I, I spent 20 years of my life from age 7 to age 27 completely bound and in, ensnared in, in sexual sin and given over to that. Um, I, was, I was living the most double life you could imagine. You know, um, anyone that's familiar with those struggles and that reality knows exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, from leading worship and being a youth pastor you know, so to speak, by, by day and living a complete opposite life. And um, it wasn't until my third year of marriage when, uh, you know, things came out into the light and basically my wife said, um, hey, choose, choose one or the other. Um, but that didn't change me. See, that's the funny thing. That moment in my life, my heart response to my wife when she said that, like my literal heart response was, Oh, that's cool. If you leave, then that's more time for me to play basketball and do the things that are of interest to me. Isn't that crazy? Like, that's how hard my heart was. So the reason I get excited is because I know how hard my heart was. I know how blind I was. I, I was the definition of a hypocrite. If you, J.K., my pastor at Threshold Church, where I go to church, just, just wrote a book called Hypocrisy Exposed. And I read that book in like three hours. So I was like, yep, me, me, me. That's who I was. That's who I was. That's who I was. That's who I was. So amen to that kind of 12-step. I never uh, thought of it that way, Dennis. But yeah, I don't want to be identified by who I was anymore. Forgetting what is behind, right? Or press on towards what lays ahead. So I want to get into the Word a little bit today. Uh, if you don't have your Word, that's fine. I'm going to try and kind of stay in one spot a little bit so you can chew on it maybe when you get home or challenge, uh, you know, as you go. When I was in high school, I remember being in this uh, lunchtime youth group and... Um, I remember this verse, you know, uh, in Philippians, and I, I'd always read this verse. I grew up in a Plymouth Brethren closed congregation in Columbus, Ohio, which basically means, um, actually, this is how I described it prior to coming to Langston. It was Mennonite on steroids. <laughs> but, but now I, I probably can't say that because I don't stand on enough ground. But, but my, that was kind of my upbringing initially, meaning... There was just things that we didn't embrace in Scripture. I'll say it nicely that way. And so there was this verse in Philippians uh, chapter 3 that says, Not that I've already obtained it but, or become perfect, but I press on in order that I may take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And I remember asking this guy in this Bible study, I'm like, Hey, man, I just, I just don't get that. What, what do you mean I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me? It's just a weird sentence I don't understand. And I can't really remember how he explained it. But I now know from God's redeeming work in my life over the last 11 years 
that in Galatians 5.1 where it says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. That's why we were set free, brothers, for freedom. And so not that I've already obtained the fullness of it, but I press on to take hold of that. What? Freedom for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And so that's what I want to bring to you this morning is a challenge, a simple question to ask you. Have you settled? And if so, where? Because scripturally, the Israelites who were set free, praise God if you're set free, amen, no longer slaves, not in Egypt anymore. You've been set free, okay? You said the truth and the truth will make you free. But just because you're free doesn't mean that you are in freedom. You understand that? There's this wilderness experience that many of us choose to settle in and call normal just because we're not in Egypt anymore. Rather than being the Caleb's, and pushing on and saying, no, there's more. And settling where? On the, in Canaan, on the other side of the Jordan. You understand? So settle, yes, but where? Ask yourself where. And my, my prayer is that the Lord would awaken you this morning to say, man, have I settled and called things normal that God doesn't call normal? And that I was actually set free to, to live beyond. Okay? And so I want to go to Numbers um, in the Word and look at what does a Caleb mindset look like? And... Apply that to us because, and I know y'all know this, but I'm just, I, I'm, I'm praying that the Lord would open the eyes of our heart as I, I share this. There's only two people, forget the people under 18 or 21 or whatever their age was, if they, was it 18 or, I can't remember. But there's only two people from Egypt, two men from Egypt that entered the promised land. That's, that should put a little bit of fear in us. Now listen, all of them died free. But only two of them entered the promised land. So we should be asking ourselves, there's a gathering of men here that have been set free. Where am I settling? And in in Numbers, we get a couple glimpses of what, why did Joshua and Caleb stand apart from the rest? And in Numbers 14, when, so basically, you know, the short version is that, you know, they went over and they saw... All the fruits of the promised land. They were sent out to spies. They brought back the fruit. They brought back a report of the people. You know, the dudes say, dude, they're big. They're strong. You know, we look tiny. And Caleb says, no, 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 no. Dude, God promised it to us. We can lay hold of it. And, you know, you kind of know the rest of the story. But in Numbers 14.3, you know, they bring back the report. It stirs up a fear. All the people say, oh my goodness, man, why don't we just what? Go back to Egypt. And in verse 5, it says, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of the assembly of the congregation. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, we'll say, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Joshua and Caleb, Tore their clothes. Not Moses, by chance. Just throwing that out there. Food for later thought. Joshua and Caleb fell on their face, tore their clothes. And spoke to the congregation and basically said, What you talking about? (laughs) I know my God. If God said it, we're going to lay hold of it. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. If God has said it, we're going to take hold. Like that was their response. Okay? But why? Like I... Why did Caleb, so, so Caleb's the one that then addressed the people, um, and, and Caleb is the one that 45 years later, man, 
45 years later, can you, man, sometime you want to just have some good thoughts with Jesus, just think about Caleb for a second, man. He goes, he sent a spy out of land. He comes back with the report. He, he sees all the things that stir up fear or unbelief. It says in the New Testament that for a lack of belief, they didn't enter the promised land. Am I going too fast? Are we good? Okay. It says, Caleb, he comes back and he rightly responds to the situation. But what happens to the other 60 men that Caleb hung out with, that he left with? He watches them all die. That's crazy. Just think about that. I mean, what is that like? That, you know, it's, it's just amazing. And when he's 85, he's, when he's 85 and he goes to the promised land, he's, he's given his portion of the land. I, I don't know. I, I'll just paraphrase it for you because it's pretty much like this. I think it's Joshua 24. He says, he says, man, <laughs> I'm, 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 look, don't believe whatever anyone says with a, with a mic in their hand. <laughs> I'm serious. Go to the word of God. You are called, you are called by God to discern, to test, to weigh. That's right. What any YouTube channel says, amen? What any popular blog says, amen? What any Facebook social post says, amen? I don't care how many people shared it, liked it, or tagged it. And I don't care if you know and respect the person it came from. You are responsible before the Lord to test and discern and to know the word of God. So I'm, I'm being so... Please don't take my word for it. But so he goes and he gets laid and he said, man, I have so much vigor and strength and excitement and valor. I'm ready to go to war right now. The same as when I heard the promise that I would have this land. I'm just as ready now. And it says like in his old age, when he's 85, he had just as much vigor as when the, it was promised to him. So like, man, old men, young men, you know, we can be strong in the Lord and know the promises. But Caleb, what struck out to me as I've been to like studying Caleb and thinking about this morning, what will set you apart, men? What will set you apart from someone who settles in the wilderness versus someone who presses on to settle in Canaan in the promised land? I believe there's, there's three things. Number one, I, I shouldn't say three. I, there are three things that stuck out to me. I don't want to try and box it. Number one, Caleb knew slavery. Caleb knew Egypt. He knew it in his bones, and he hated it. He didn't want to ever go back. Caleb, not once in the Old Testament, in his, his tribal people, not once were they the ones that said, maybe, maybe we should go back. Let's get another leader and go back. Hey, it's better back there. So he knew slavery. And I'm going to come back to these in a second and dig a little deep. Number two, he knew his God. All of Caleb's responses to the people are, dude, God said we could have it. And I think he said, dude, so we're going to have it. If God said we could have it, we're going to take a night hold of it. He knew his God. It was the same as David when he went before Saul and said, I can take out Goliath. Did David say, hey, dude, I've been practicing, man. I took out a bear. I took out a lion. I took it. He didn't. David didn't say that. David wasn't walking in his own confidence and strength. He said, the same God who delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me from Goliath. This, and he said, the battle is not mine. It's the Lord's. David knew who his victory was coming from. He knew his God. Caleb knew his God. He said, when he came back with the grapes and they're saying, dude, we're like grasshoppers. They, they mixed with the whatever they're called, their giant. That was what all his friends said. He's like, No. Do not fear the same God who promised it to us will deliver us. Like, so he, he knew his God. He knew his slavery. He knew his God. And he knew there was more. 
He knew there was more than this, this manna-abiding kind of thing. He knew that they were set free for freedom. He knew there was more than what they were currently experiencing. So you might be thinking, well, Justin, I'm not like you. I just spent 20 years enslaved in sexual sin. Here's, let me help you understand. Let me, let me help you answer a question to help you tell yourself, oh, you know what? I'm settling. I'm settling in the wilderness. To me, what I've understood, you know, we started Broken Free four years ago, and yeah, we, we deal with issues of freedom primarily around those that are being uh, enslaved by sexual sin and mm-hmm. pornography and, and those things. But to me, freedom, the difference between where you're settling is marked by this. Are you struggling? Are you struggling? It's as simple as that. Are you struggling? Are you struggling with fill in the blank? Are you struggling because, uh, yeah, you might be struggling with lust and temptation. You might be struggling because you keep putting in 80 hours and your wife keeps saying, hey, honey, where are you? You're not really home. Like, the kids are really missing you. Can't this, and you're like, man, I don't, uh, you're, you feel pulled in two directions. Maybe you're struggling. This is what I like to ask people. And let's just be honest for a second and real, always, but just for this moment. <laughs> be honest for a second. How many of you, when you were like, Teenage, twenties, I don't know. Some point in your life, you had a sailor's mouth like the best of them, and you could curse up and down the wall, and it came out, and you were just good with it. Like real talk, just anybody? I mean, just just be like, I mean, you were good at it. You made up words that if if Instagram was or whatever was then, you would have been famous. Okay. Now, just for the illustration, if your hand's not up, I want you to look around. Real quick, raise your hand if that was you. If you had that, like, sailor's mouth. Okay, look around the people holding your hands up. Just be, be real for a second. You could, you could curse like the best of them. Okay. Put your hand down if you no longer struggle with, listen to my words, no longer struggle with that at all. Like, you don't struggle with it one bit. Put your hand down if you no longer struggle with it at all. It's, it, so hands went down. Okay. Those that are being up, I appreciate your honesty, which is what you're saying is you still have to, you know, you got to be careful. Something. But listen, the testimony that you just gave, those that put hands down, is that it's possible to have something that you struggle with every day in and day out. But you might say grow out of it or you might say, you know, mature out of it or you might say just no. But actually, the struggle just completely dies. It's not like you're like, man, I don't want to list out that whole. The struggle's gone. Some of you might have other things that would totally relate that. Man, I used to be, you know, so stressed and worried about this type of stuff. And worried, but and I don't even worry about this. I, I can't even believe that I even wasted time. The, the point is this. In the Christian experience, we often rationalize struggling as normal. But it's not in the kingdom of God. It's not in what Christ set us free for. The difference between wilderness and Canaan is struggle. And you know how I know that? Because in the wilderness, they had battles. They fought, they won. They went through seasonal, hey, it was good, but then it was bad. And then it was good, and then it was bad. And then there was water, and then there wasn't. And it's all the struggle. You know what happened in Canaan? And, and we don't preach this, we don't talk about this, we don't focus on this. It says in Joshua that when they crossed over into the promised land, three things. The Lord was their victory. The Lord gave them peace on every side. And get this one. The Lord removed their enemies. The Lord did it all. Can you picture that experience? You got no enemies. The Lord's fighting your battles. He's winning. And he also gave you peace. 
that doesn't sound like struggling. It doesn't sound like what's the battle plan in case X, Y, Z. It doesn't sound like a trigger map on how I'm going to get out of X, Y, Z. Because the Lord is your portion. Now, what that means is, so if you're struggling, you're just, you're still somewhere between Egypt and Canaan. Keep pressing on towards that for which Christ Jesus lay hold of you, for that which he set you free for. Take the Caleb mindset and says, I'm not going back. I'm just going to continue to wait for that which God promised for him to do. You know what I mean? There's a difference between, so when it comes to pornography, sexual temptation, lust of sin, I don't struggle anymore, brothers. Can you, you don't need to struggle anymore. That's not a statement about I, that's a statement about he. Okay? And, and we need to like challenge ourselves to say, man, am I like counting how many days? Man, that's another thing. Please don't count. <laughs> how many days since whatever? You know what? I was blind, but now I see. It can be one day and you can still know you're free and not, it's not a, it's not a measure of days. Amen? So, but for me, it's, so the question to be honest with yourself and to chew on in scripture is like, is this, is this true? Is this real? Is this biblical? That there can be a death to the struggle. And brothers, my, my life is a testimony of, over the last 11 years that yes, there can be. But you know why that was so to me, so mind-blowing? It's because I hadn't heard that before. My expectation was just, hey man, you know, it's, it's a struggle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's a wrestling match. I want to be known as a struggler. You know, it's part of humility to struggle. Okay. Yes, a little bit, but, but that's not what I was set free for. I was set free for freedom, not just for this victory, failure, victory, failure, seasonal stuff. And when you look at the life of Caleb, you can see that, see, for me, I know slavery now, and I hate, and I hate the, 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 the lies of Egypt. Okay, so I'm not going back there. It's not an option. I'm not going back. Okay? And I know my God that does exceedingly abundantly above all I ask, think, or imagine. Like, that's the reality. So Caleb knew his God. You know, what's, what's crazy? He says in, in 14 verse 8, If the Lord is pleased with us, we will come into the land. This is Caleb talking. And he will give it to us. Who will? He will. You understand? By grace I've been saved, through faith, not of works. It's not of myself, lest anyone would boast. But he says, do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land. They'll become our prey. Our, their protection has been removed from them. The Lord is with us. Don't fear them. The mindset is, dude, I know my God. And here's what's, listen to these things that Caleb came up against. Because you're going to come up against them too in, in this struggle versus freedom reality. See, I don't throw stones at strugglers. But what I want to do is say, hey. Where you're at is not this isn't the end all. You're called to white knuckle through, whether it's drug addiction, whether it's you know money, whether it's work, whether it's sex. What are the things that are you're struggling with, and maybe nobody else knows, and you put on the nice face like I did. Okay, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised by any of that, right? I know my own deceptiveness, my own heart. But believing that there's more is going to come under attack from four things. Okay, from your friends, and I mean like. Your brother friends, the people in the church, people are like, hey, man, it's okay that you just did this thing and you just fell this way. It's okay? 
It's okay, like, I can stay here. It's okay, like, as long as I tell you every week when we meet and I kind of feel sorry for it, then it's okay. Do you know what the Bible, I know I'm going fast, but I just want, I'm trying to, like, I want to, like, awaken your spirit. You know what the Bible calls that? It calls it a repentance from a consequence of sin. There's a, there's a literal different Greek word for that that they use in the New Testament. But when the Holy Spirit came in Acts 3.19 and Peter was talking to people and called them to repent, guess what? He used the same word that Jesus and John the Baptist used. It's a totally different word for repentance that means to repent because of sinfulness of sin. Because of the awareness of your sin before a holy God. Not because of the consequence. That whole accountability, accountability thing that you do when you meet with someone, you're like, oh man, yeah, I messed with this. Oh, I got mad at my wife. Oh, I said these mean things. Oh, I looked at this and I shouldn't have. Oh, I went here and I shouldn't have. Be careful that that's not just a shallow because of the consequence, because you feel bad about it, because you want to let it go, because it hurts someone you loved, and it's because of a consequence that you're feeling that you're like repenting and getting it out into the open. Brothers, be careful, man. Ask the Lord that there would be a true repentance that comes from an understanding that against you and you alone have I sinned, Lord. A sinfulness of my sin before a holy God. That type of, rep of repentance, because your friends, well-meaning as they would be, as we were saying at the back table, Truth and reality isn't up to popular opinion. It's up to the Word of God. When we open up the Word of God and we start saying, okay, God, you said this. Not what your well-meaning friends necessarily said. Because, can I pull this out real quick? It's important that these are biblical. So let me tell you this. Guess who's going to challenge that thought that there's more? Your friends. Numbers 13.25. When they return from spying out the land, you know... Caleb was sent out with all his, his friends. They came over and they started saying, hey man, it flows with milk and honey. Yes, it does. But the people are strong. All these people that, like, guys, don't just read the word of God and not think about what that was actually like. For 40 days, Caleb and his homies were over checking out the goodness of the land that they were promised. For 40 days. That's not like a short-term mission ship. That's like a long mission ship where y'all really got together. You know what I'm saying? These are his friends. They all experienced the same thing. And when they came back to report to their church, oh, you hear me? One of them said, oh, dude, there's more over there. That's what I have to take. And everyone else came back and said, yeah, it's good. It's, it's good. It was good. Going to Brazil was great, but there's no way that could happen in our church. Maybe you're struggling is just with this limited box that you put around God. And you, God hasn't ever healed the person that was close to you that died. And so you struggle to believe that God's a healer. Maybe the struggle you're up against is that, you know, a reconciliation of your marriage didn't happen. And so you struggle to believe if God actually believes in, in reconciling and unifying and blessing a covenant of marriage. And so, I don't know, maybe your struggles come from actual pain and disappointment, not just a pursuit of sin. But when you... When you, judge, when, you, when you look at what God has said instead of what your experience and those around you say, his friends said, no, dude, we can't take it. The other thing, his family. In Numbers 32, 12, it talks about Caleb's family. Now, I know in like Lancaster County, there's a lot of heritage and family things that might prevent you from believing that there's more. Let the word of God define the more. Not what someone else shares was their experience or lack thereof. 
The third thing that jumped out to me, the church pop culture, the, the, the church itself. In, in Numbers 14, 2, the whole congregation, the whole body said, oh, I mean, they hear this report and they say, oh, man, we should have died in Egypt. Let's just appoint someone else and go back. And we chuckle, but I've been, I signed, I've waved that flag. What? Justin, I don't know death of the struggle. I'm not sure if that's really biblical, man. I'm in a really popular, well-known series right now. I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, this, is, this is true. And you know, and you know what? I'm going to say this gently, but I'm just going to say it for transparency. I'm aware of many churches in the region that have a, a, a small group on, that, that goes after a certain, a very popular, widely known study that on the study itself, the encouragement is to be known as a struggler. For leaders to be known as strugglers, be transparent and be a struggler. Because, and it points out to all these struggler things, but we have to press on and no temptation to seize me except what is common to man will overtake it. And so that life looks like a struggling life. And the point is not perfection. The point is to go to, guys, that's all 80% true. I'm serious. That'll get you stuck in the wilderness saying, hey, 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 guys, 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 guys. Dude, the, those people look big. They look strong. They're poor. They look, look, guys, guys, guys. Let's just take a serve. We got manna here, right? We won that last battle, right? We've got shelter, right? We've got the Lord is providing for us, right? Really, do we need to like? I have no idea what's on the other side of the river and how big and how crazy and all and all of that. I don't even know how that would look. But let's just kind of stay here. Do you follow what I'm saying, brothers? I don't want to be known as a struggle. I want to be known as a lover. I want to be known as a lover of God. That I fi- the Bible says I fix my eyes on him, I become like him. See, in man's psychology and all these people with PhDs after their name, they have really good strategies for you to untangle nets and to look back and to figure out the past. Uh, my Bible says that he came that I would be new the old things would pass away. All things would become new. Meaning, oh, that tangled that. Oh, so glad I need to untangle that. You got a new one for me? Thank you. Man, this mind has been so corrupted by so many years of so much bad stuff. Words, images, thoughts. Oh, you have a new mind? Oh, you mean transformed by the renewing of my mind, meaning it becomes new? Not just a like new, scrubbed down, untwisted. It's actually new? Yes, brothers. You feel me? Yes. By God's grace and by his work, I, I can't even think of things I used to have nightmares about. Because they're not there. I have a new mind. You can too. That was almost Dutch. You can too. <laughs> the church pop culture might be pushing you to just settle. And lastly, this, I was like, Lord, this, is, this isn't scriptural. So I'll be honest, this one isn't scriptural. But I believe because they, in this reality for Caleb, the fourth thing, so you've got your friends, you've got family, you've got church culture. That should scare a little bit of us. But that should keep us focused on the work. We're not accountable for what church we went to, brothers. We're accountable for did we fellowship with the one, right? We're accountable to the word. The fourth one, though, is pop culture and what it says. Like, in this situation, Caleb came back to the church. There was no other people walking around the wilderness. You understand that. It was basically like the big church was just walking around. 
You know, there wasn't Amalekites that they were flirting with. And, okay? So in this day and age, we have another voice that many of us are listening to. We've got an entire world out there that is saying, yeah, but this is okay. This is why you're like this. This is why you feel this way. This is why you curse. This is, and, and from a completely godless realm, they speak and inject and tantalize and tease and throw their, their half-truths into the body. And we say, oh, but, but that actually makes sense. So, so I'm going to actually, yeah, you know what? You, do you follow me? So those are things that will cause you to, to kind of hold back. And when I was preparing, I felt like the Lord said, what, um, what uh, you worship that which you most often offer your mind to. So it, I was thinking of the scripture that, you know, as we gaze on him, we become like him. It's one scripture, transform and glory to glory, that we fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfect of our faith. So my question about like settling versus being set free for freedom is like, where is the majority of your focus on? Is it trying to like rationalize your experience based on a, a book or based on this, this thing? Because guys, I'd still be going through seasons of victory and failure with sexual sin if that's what I... If that's the Bible I was believing, okay? So I want to encourage you to like go to the word and say, Lord, if it says that that's what's real in here, I don't want to be a wanderer, okay? I want to be the Caleb's. I want to be the ones that are waiting. Like, so some of us, you know, if you think of these three things that Caleb had, dude, he knew his slavery through and through. He knew his God. And he knew that there had to be more. Like, he didn't listen to these other their voices. He knew there had to be more. So do you really know? Do you really see your, the slavery or for what it is? Like, do you really understand that, like, not believing God to be a healer is not biblical? <laughs> do you really see that not believing God to be the source of your freedom from sexual sin, lust, perversion, struggle, mindset? Guys, this is my... It's not okay to just glance. If, if you're still in the, like, just glance face, okay, brother, praise God. Take that thought captive, but what? Ah, let me say this to you. I know it's time close on. This is, let me just, I feel like I'm supposed to say this because I might not see you all again. I know not what a day may bring forth. We know not tomorrow, right? This isn't about we're going to do the next 90 days. This is about today. Today, right? Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord like Choose you this day whom you will serve. Okay? My ADD would leave maybe just taking that thought away. <laughs> what was I saying right before that, though? Just glance. Just glance. Thank God. Yes, thank you. Let me just throw this out here. When you take something captive, if you flirt with it, you'll end up marrying it. When you take something captive, in this day and age, we like take it captive and then we try and like dissect it and like figure out where it came from and why did that happen? What does the Bible say? Destroying every speculation that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. Why did they fall again and again in the Old Testament? Because when they took captives, they what? They didn't wipe them out. Look through your Bible, it's in there. When they keep a few alive, those few alive started to then mingle and flirt with and then turn into the, the adultery of their heart. You feel me? Guys, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't even care where you are on spectrums of. I actually do care because in this region, there's there's different. I guess as I'm understanding, you know, perceptions about war, to war, or not, whatever, which makes it hard to grasp spiritual truths about this. When we take thoughts captive, because we're in that wilderness phase, you glance, you take it captive. Okay, I'm not throwing stones at the glancers. Can you hear me? Do you hear me? But understand what the point. You take the, that thing captive and you destroy it. You don't dissect it. You destroy it. In the name of Jesus, I wasn't meant to do that. In the name of Jesus, I was meant, my eyes were f- made for one. I was only supposed to be attracted to one person. So, God, I thank you for my wife. I thank you. Da, 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 da. You don't understand? Like, you, you destroy it. You don't say, hmm, man, why did I think that, man? And the next four sessions are, of counseling sessions of four weeks are about figuring out why you had that thought. Brothers, I'm just telling you, destroy it and fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. Don't play around with that thing because that thing then you, which you start to then meditate on, what? Becomes the very thing you end up worshiping. Enslaved to. And you wonder why. It's because we've been using the psychology of man to try and whatever instead of the wisdom of God. Are you wandering or are you waiting, brothers? Caleb waited for 45 years for what he knew was promised. Uh, my favorite scripture I'll just leave with you, man, and challenge you to, to make it your favorite. Jeremiah 33, 3, man, says, Jesus, uh, Jesus, God said, call to me and I will answer you. But that's not the end of the verse. The best part is the next part. And show you great and unsearchable things you don't even know yet. Or you know not. Guys, man, that is the script for there's always more. (laughs) Where I'm at, there's more, Lord. I want more. There's more. Whether you're 9 or whether you're 90, there's more. Jeremiah, call to me. I will answer you. And I'll show you great and unsearchable things you know not. You don't even know yet. I don't know. I know in part. I testify in part. Amen, brothers? But then I'll, I'll know in fully, and I'll, and I'll be fully known. Right? So my challenge is to you that God would, you'd ask the Lord as you leave this place, you know, hey, Lord, is there things that I'm like settling and calling normal that have just been these struggles that I've been going back and forth on? And, you know, everyone around me says, cool, but God, I don't know, man. If freedom is the death of the struggle, which I believe it is, and scripturally I believe it is, then a simple just kind of question again, back stop, what are you struggling with? What are you struggling with? Because I believe God set you free that you would not struggle with that anymore. And brothers, I know, again, if, if there's a lot of questions that might pop up in that, well, yeah, but, but what are you saying, Justin, perfection? Are you saying sinlessness? Are you saying, no, 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 no. Just, just, just take one step at a time, brothers. The freedom is the death of the struggle. And as we lay these things down, and as the Lord becomes our victor, our peace, and removes our enemies on every side, then the loving kindness of the Lord says, Brother, thank you, son. Let me show you something else, man, that we're going to put on this cross. We're going to crucify. We're going to continue this sanctification process. But I'm not, by the grace of God, I'm not going back to Egypt. We're not going back to, to where I've been before. So, I don't know, hope it's stirring, hope it's going Hopefully it challenges you on some things and be like, ah, I don't know, but praise God. Then let's go to scripture. Let's dig it up. Um, broken free, we gather the first Monday nights. Um, effort, uh, at the, uh, at effort, I made an effort. 
I'm used to saying it after. And Gateway House of Prayer uh, from 9 to 11. And we spend an hour just worshiping, meditating in the Lord, and spend an hour like digging into the Word um, on, on freedom. It's not uh, prescriptive, okay? It's more uh, looking at just to the Word about, about Christ and the promises He has. So I encourage you to join us on that. I know it's late, but look, man, when I pursued sin, I stayed up late with no excuses. Mm-hmm. So in the pursuit of Jesus, and I know when you were dating your girlfriends, who are now your wives or whatever, you don't worry about what time it was. May the Lord renew a desire, honestly, for his presence that would cause you to stay up late, you know, in the night watches, and to meditate on the morning, man. So thanks for the opportunity to share. Thank you, Justin.